So just for us to begin on, on the right foot this morning, I am very cognizant of the time. We actually planned for it. So you, you, you don't have to worry about, are you going to get to lunch in time? But I will ask you, because we all like lunch, probably too much, but I will ask you, that that means that I can't say things two or three times, which is usually what's necessary for us to really hear. Okay? I thought I would get a few more laughs out of that. Last, uh, we're, we're in the, we're really coming to the end of the farewell discourse, this, this monologue of Jesus to his disciples before he's about to go to the cross. Last week, as he's sharing with his disciples, he, he was explaining to them that because the world hated me, now that I'm about to leave, that hate's going to be projected onto you. We said it like this, persecution and hate is what happens, can happen, even should happen sometimes when genuine Christianity meets a world in love with itself instead of Jesus. So in a nutshell, when we take the presence of Christ with us, not just parts of Christ, but all of Christ into the world, there will be times when, when what we have to say and the way that we live and the way that we act and the way that we speak, it will be offensive to the world. And, and last week, it was all about the why. This week is when Jesus leaves. It's not about why this will happen to Christians. It's what specifically to expect. So let's read John 16, the first 15 verses. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them up. If if not, it's printed for you in the the worship guides there. And and what we're trying to do there is tell you how important God's Word is. This is God's Word to us, uh, for us to consider this morning. John John 16, verse 1. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. So let me start again. This is Jesus speaking to the 11 apostles. There's only 11 right now. Judas is already gone. He's speaking to those closest to him. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. 
Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. It's God's word. Let's pray. Father, open up our hearts and our minds and our our lives this morning as we, we look at this short section of Scripture that is so full, that has so much for us to learn and know and understand. Help us in this short amount of time to walk away knowing more of your love, knowing more of your righteousness and your goodness and your mercy, that we would be more fully, more completely who you've created us to be. We ask that even the next hour. Amen. So, two big ideas. Jesus is speaking to those who are closest to him. He knows he's going to leave. He knows he's going to the cross. And he wants his disciples, and by extension, his people even today, he wants them to know what to expect when he leaves. He says things like, you're going to be tempted to fall back, that you're going to be tempted to retreat into your, your, your places of comfort, that you're going to be afraid, that you're going to want to protect yourself, and you're going to be sad when I leave. Then he says something else. He says, when I leave, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, he will come, and he will do among other things in this passage, he will do two primary things. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we're going to talk about that. And not only that, 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 that truth, those truths about sin, righteousness, and judgment, they're going to be poured into your hearts and into your lives. And it's going to change you. And it's going to empower you to live in the midst of the difficulty of my physical leaving until I come back again. Now, before we begin, we do have to acknowledge it is different. When Jesus is talking to the apostles here, it's different for them. It's all broken up. And that's why he breaks it up in, in two sections. I'm going to leave. The Holy Spirit's going to come. I mean, we didn't have the benefit of, of sitting around and talking with Jesus physically. But there is one thing that's the same. And that one thing that is the same for them, the same for us today, is Jesus is speaking about this monumental change that is going to occur because he's going to the cross. He's dying for the sins of his people. He'll be resurrected into the, into the, uh, sitting next to the right hand of God. And, and at the same time, so to speak, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And what he's talking about is once I die, the kingdom of God has come. 
So even though Jesus breaks this up for the apostles, we're going to break it up as we go through it today. There is a sense that today all this is happening. And the world that the apostles lived in in the first century is governed by the same things that we do live in this century. So first, with the, with the departure of Jesus, what should the disciples expect? Look at, look at your text. Jesus says, I've said all these things to you so you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogues. They will even kill you, and they will think they're offering a service to God. Jump down to verse 6. Sorrow has already filled their hearts. Now, the first thing that we need to understand is Jesus says, you're going to be tempted to fall away. You can say that in different ways in the English. You can be offended. You can stumble. It's not in terms of losing their salvation. Jesus has already said several times in the Gospel of John, nobody can take you out of my hand. What he's basically saying to the disciples here is, I've said these things to you so that you won't be ineffective in what you're supposed to do in the future. That's what he's talking about here. Jesus is saying, I want you to be fruitful. So I'm telling you these things so that you will be fruitful. See, the persecution and the hate that's now going to be directed at the apostles, it's going to make them want to retreat. It's going to make them want to hide, right? The place that they used to go to for safety was the synagogue. That's where they met God. That's where they heard from God. That's where they spoke to God, and they're no longer going to be welcome there. They're going to be isolated. They're not going to be accepted by their world. That's the good part. Some of them will be killed. I need you to understand, Jesus says, as he's about to leave, what to expect. And by the way, Jesus said all these things so they wouldn't fall away. They didn't. They proclaimed boldly the truth about who Jesus Christ was. So I'm telling you these things so that you don't fall away. And I'm so secure in Jesus that we can trust him to do the work. These words should make sense to us, right? I mean, Jesus, if Jesus were here physically right now, I would sit over here, I'd say, what what exactly do you want me to say? And he'd whisper in my ear, and I'd tell you, and I wouldn't be afraid. Right? Can't you relate? Wouldn't it be nice if Jesus were here physically? My temptation... I think some of your temptation is to shy away, to retreat to safer places. I don't know about you, but I don't like, I like my alone time, but I don't want to feel lonely. I don't like to be isolated. And, and I, I know I try to give you this impression, but I, I really do want to be liked. Everybody, in some measure, wants to be liked. I may not fear being killed for my faith, but can't we relate to the the feeling of death sometimes when we're alone, when we're isolated, and, and when we're not accepted by other people? The world thought Jesus was odd, and you live like Jesus, or you try to live like Jesus, they're gonna think you're odd too. It's no wonder sorrow has filled their hearts. They are sad. And you know what makes it even harder? All this, these things that are going to happen to them, um, it's being perpetrated by people who think they are doing the right thing. 
Offering service to God. Whoever kills you will think they are serving God, but they do these things because they don't know the Father and they don't know the Son. And this is, this is really important for us to focus on. I thought about moving it away, but this is really important for us to focus on. Jesus is saying to anyone who follows him, there will be times when you will be persecuted. There will be times when you will feel alone. There will be times when you won't feel accepted by the world. And Jesus, in the context of of this farewell discourse, he's reminding his disciples that he loves them so much that he's taking time to talk with them about what to expect, and he's about to go to the cross to die for their sins. And, and, And this is happening because Jesus wants his disciples, wants us to experience the love of God in Christ that it's so overwhelming that we're even going to be empowered to speak about the love of God to other people when they hate us. Jesus says they're going to hate you because they don't have the same categories for life that you do. What are our categories as Christians for life? We have a a father who loves us. We talked about it at the baptisms. We understand that he loves us so much that he sent his only son, which is exactly why we are the ones in the midst of hate, in the absence of Jesus physically. This is why, this is what empowers us to take the love of God to other people even when they hate us. The world has no hope unless we tell them, unless we live it out before them. And it doesn't make the suffering any less painful. But it is a picture of what Christ has done for us. When we were enemies, God sent his son. So the first point is very simple. Jesus is saying to them and to us, he's saying, in my absence physically, you have to represent me before a world that's not going to like your message. They may like part of your message, but they're not going to like all of your message. He says, I'm going to him who sent me. I'm going back to the Father. And none of you are asking, where are you going? But because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your hearts. This is a gentle rebuke to the apostles. It's understandable that you're sad. It doesn't make it right. Jesus is pointing the disciples to a big change that is coming with his departure on the cross. Whenever Jesus talked about his, his death, it, it, it is true. that the, the disciples, they were sad, right? They said things like, no, Jesus, we don't want you to leave. We need you here, Jesus. We want you here. You ever thought about why they were saying that? It's because at that time... Before what's to come, they're only concerned with themselves. They're self-absorbed in their own loss of Jesus. It's, it's like this. When I was a little boy, we grew up in Florida. First few years, my father passed away when I was young. One of the few things that I did with, with my father was he would take us deep sea fishing. And there was one time we had this fishing trip planned. He got called away on a business trip. And we couldn't go. And I said, Dad, I was really upset. Why do you have to go? I don't want you to go. I wasn't concerned about my dad. I wasn't concerned about his meeting. 
I didn't even think that, oh, by the way, that work that he had to go to is the means in which he could take us fishing. I was upset that I didn't get what I wanted. Jesus is saying to his disciples, it's time now for you to be more occupied with my affairs than your own agenda. There's something bigger going on that you need to be made aware of. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. This is the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's not that the Spirit first shows up for the first time at this time. He's been around forever. It's that the Spirit will come in a new and, and more apparent way. It's a monumental change that comes with the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. And it's all connected. The departure of Jesus, listen to this, the departure of Jesus is not his absence. But the magnification of his presence and his work in the lives of the people in the world over the whole world. What we think is bad about Jesus not being here physically, it's the best thing that could have ever happened. Because it's all connected to the cross, which has everything to do about our salvation. When you put, and this is is what we need to do here, this is what the disciples had to do. When you put the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ, his leaving, you put it together with the coming of his spirit, you know what's unleashed? The kingdom of God in power. God's presence and his power is unleashed into the whole world, unleashed into the lives of his disciples. And we can't be sad because what we pray for in the Lord's Prayer every Sunday is exactly what's happened. The kingdom has come. And this is what it looks like. The Holy Spirit comes. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, which is the truth about the cross, the work of Jesus. And what happens, not only that, all these truths are poured into the lives of his people, and we can now live in it, which encourages us to share it. So let me give you a picture of what that looks like. The Spirit convinces or exposes the world's ideas of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the way I want to say it is, the presence of Jesus Christ is magnified through the Spirit as the Spirit comes in light of the finished work of Jesus Christ and it exposes sin. How does it expose sin? It makes known to the world that man in his present condition without God has no hope. He cannot save himself. That's what the cross says. If you want to be freed from all that ails you, all the sin in your life, you need forgiveness. And if you need forgiveness, you have to have Jesus Christ. And and we say, oh, the world's not really dealing with sin. Yes, they are. They may call it something else. But this is the way the world deals with sin. I'll pretend it's not there. I'll compare myself with other people who are worse than me. I'll excuse it by blaming other people. And you know what the cross work of Jesus says to that kind of view of sin? It doesn't work. And how do we know it doesn't work? Why do you think we're so anxious in this world today? 
And I'm not saying it's because of your sin. What I'm saying is if we're seeking to, to delve into our hearts about what's wrong and we don't get down to the root of it, we ought to be anxious. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The Holy Spirit, the gospel, the presence of Jesus Christ brought to the world through the Spirit in light of the cross exposes righteousness by showing that any righteousness that the world has to offer is inadequate at best. Let me explain it this way. I just finished a a Netflix series. I won't tell you the name. You don't need to know the name. But it's a... It's a, uh, an apocalyptic, apocalyptic dystopian type series. And in this world that they live in, they have two pillars uh, for the foundation of their society. So two things that holds up their lives. It's peace through force and justice without mercy. So, so when you watch the show, what you see is they know they need peace. So anybody that seems to mess up their peace, they just force to fall in line, whatever way they want. It's not pretty. And justice usually comes with a sword, chopping off heads. Those, that's their idea of a right world. And we say, well, that's not like our world today. We don't cut people's heads off. Well, I will tell you, there are parts of the world where they do. But we don't have to chop off heads in America. We just have Twitter. There's some killing going on. God's idea of bringing righteousness is much different than the world's idea. Lastly, the presence of Christ brought to the world through the Holy Spirit in light of Jesus Christ and His work exposes judgment Because the ruler of the world has been judged at the cross, the world's judgments, particularly concerning sin and righteousness, is profoundly wrong. It's morally perverse. And if the devil stands condemned at the cross, so too does the world without Christ. So the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ is unleashed into the world when Jesus Christ departs, leaves, You can say it when Jesus Christ dies, is resurrected and ascended and exposes the world's false ideas of what is true, what is right, what is good. But it doesn't stop there. These same things that the Holy Spirit is doing, convicting the world, it enters into our hearts through the Spirit and we start seeing them as God sees them. God's work in the Spirit helps us understand the way God sees sin, the way God sees righteousness, the way God sees judgment, and it changes our whole understanding of ourselves and the world we live in. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will declare it. He will make it known, and God will be glorified. What the world is convicted of is pressed home into our hearts and minds, and we now live in light of these things. We live in light of what God says about sin, not man. We live in light of what God says about righteousness, and we live in light of what God says about judgment. So think about it in these terms. How does God think about sin? How are we to think about sin? We no longer have to excuse it. We no longer have to redefine it. 
we can confess it in front of a watching world and we are still okay because Jesus Christ has died on the cross and taken our sin. Is that not powerful? Is that not real? And when you agree with God about what he says about sin, you act in light of what he's done about sin You are now new, and the Holy Spirit now works in your life in a new way that you didn't experience before. Same thing with righteousness. God says that righteousness cannot come from the inside because that's only self-righteousness. That righteousness has to come from outside of us, and it comes from Christ. And as we remember that Jesus Christ was not held in the grave because he was righteous, that he was raised from the grave, declared right to the world, and by faith we are united to him, and we too are righteous, and we have his righteousness. And we no longer speak our own righteousness to the world, we speak God's God's righteousness to the world. Christians no longer have to fear death and judgment because our judgment has taken place in Christ on the cross. We know that unless our friends and our neighbors understand that, they will be lost to us forever. And what I'm trying to do for you, and this is how we will conclude, is we're always talking around here, oh, I want the Spirit's power. The Spirit's power is not separated from Christ and His Word. The gospel dynamic here is once we learn and we, 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 we spend all of our lives seeking to agree with God about what He's revealed in Scripture, as we seek to align all of our lives with what we know is true, then the Spirit is unleashed in our lives. We experience the freedom of sin, the power of righteousness, the love that comes knowing that, that in Christ Jesus we've already been judged and we've been declared not guilty. So, so the, the question is, why are we not experiencing it more? Because I, I know a lot of you, you want this. You want to experience the love of God in power so that you can do all these hard things that we're supposed to do. We do have to admit that that some of us today are sitting in difficult places, not because you don't care about this stuff, but because that's where God has you. We've dealt with some hard things In the last few weeks. I know many of you have been struggling for years. And why you're not experiencing what you think the Spirit's power should look like in your life, I can't explain to you. We we do have to acknowledge that God is God and He works the way He wants to work and we have to trust Him. We have to acknowledge that. But there's one thing that I think applies to a majority of us, but but it does say something to, to those who are still struggling today, wanting this. Agreeing with God, it has to do with this remembering, and I don't have time to deal with this. Remembering is not just thinking back in the Bible. Remembering is is participating with our whole lives in, in what God says is true. So the way it works here is God says what sin is. And, and we say what, what sin is too as God says it. We align ourselves. We agree with what, what God says about it. And we enter into it. 
And as we enter into that and we confess our sin, we don't try to hide our sin, we, we, we repent of our sin. As we enter into that, we take it to the cross and we realize that we're forgiven of our sin. That's how much God loves us and we are now free and we experience the power of the Spirit in our lives. Same thing with the righteousness. Oh, I want to be righteous. I'm not very righteous. But Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. He was declared right and in him I am right. And I can go out into the world. And when I look at righteousness, like Jesus looks at righteousness, like God's word talks about righteousness, the Spirit's power is unleashed in my life, unleashed in your life, and we go out into the world with the righteousness of Christ. Not my righteousness, Christ's righteousness. When you realize that that there will come a day when all the world will be judged, and our judgment has already taken place in Jesus Christ, it not only gives us security, but it also gives us power that we can go out into the world and we can talk to people who one day will stand before the Lord, their creator, and if they don't have Jesus, they will die. They will suffer. And we don't want that. The Spirit is directly tied to the work of Jesus Christ in the cross. And as we agree and learn and and swallow up those truths and live in those truths, we will experience more of the Spirit's power. And you know what that will enable us to do? It will enable us to take what we have in Christ Jesus to a world and we can love people who hate us. Jesus Christ has gone physically. He's now come in power in the Holy Spirit. He's exposing this this world's idea of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We're living in that. It's been exposed. It's been dealt with. And now we live with the Spirit's power. The same thing the apostles did, we can do. We're not going to write scripture. We're not going to write acts. But we're going to go serve a world that doesn't really like us. And it's okay. Let me pray. Father, I didn't get to say, I think, all that your word says here. And some of the things I said, I may not have communicated it in the best way. And yet, this passage says that in in this world, After the cross of Christ, your spirit has been unleashed into the world and you are accomplishing everything that you want to accomplish. And you even promised to use us. So all we do this morning is we look to you and we say thank you. We trust you. And we know that you will work. In Jesus' name, amen.